The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. So they've actually defeated the opportunity to make reasonable arguments by their worldview of materialism. So ironically, it's the Christians who are the reasonable ones. It's the atheists who make reason impossible by their worldview. So whenever they say they're reasonable, they're stealing reason from God to say that he doesn't exist. They have to sit in God's lap to slap his face. Author and speaker Frank Turek presents powerful evidence for Christianity next on Life Today. this opportunity to share with you. I'm James Robinson. My wife, Betty, and I are thrilled to have an opportunity to, uh, first of all, point you every day, not only to life today, but to stream, stream.org, the stream. Go there to get information, inspiration, understanding of the times. Very important that we understand the times and how to effectively and meaningfully address them for the good of everyone and for the glory of God stream.org. Pass it on. You see something there. It really resonates. Pass it on Facebook, tweet, get it out. You have an opportunity to deliver a message that can transform minds and hearts primarily, and that's what you use it for. It's a vehicle for you to use. And when you go to the Word of God, be praying that God will put the Word in your heart, but you'll have the wisdom to know how to handle the issues that we face. Well, one of the men that helps us do that, and he's on the stream quite often, is Frank Turk. Dr. Turk is a man that uh, really has been able to help people who doubt or deny God to understand that he really is who he says he is. Ravi Zacharias says that he is one of, the, I guess, my favorite people, yes. one of the world's foremost apologists, one of the most brilliant communicators, and even the academic community understands that. Ravi was an atheist, and Christ changed his life. Ravi says the pages ahead will inform and inspire, and he wrote the foreword to this. On the back, it asks the questions. What if your best reasons to doubt God prove that He, God, exists? Stealing from God. Why atheists need God to make their case. Frank Turek, would you welcome Frank to life today? Frank, good to have you, buddy. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it. Okay, cut to the chase. How do they need, as deniers of God, God to prove their point? Well, first of all, I got to point out that the book is not about tithing, okay? <laughs> Stealing from God. Everyone wants to go, is this about tithing? No, okay? So we, we got that cleared up? Okay, good. The book points out, James and Betty, that atheists who are materialists, they think most atheists are materialists nowadays. You know, the big ones you hear about, Richard Dawkins, Sam Harris, these types of people, they're materialists. They think all that really exists are matter, and we're just molecules in motion. So they try and make a case that atheism is true, but when they try and make that case, they're stealing aspects of reality that wouldn't exist unless God existed. So they're stealing from God to argue against him. And the book goes through an acronym, CRIMES, C-R-I-M-E-S. And these are things that atheists use to say God doesn't exist when, in fact, none of these things would exist unless God existed. 
So the C stands for causality, the R reason, the I information, the M morality, E evil, you know, atheists are saying there's too much evil in the world. That actually points back to God, actually. And the S, science. So that's kind of the big picture of the book. Okay. Do we have more time? Yeah, yeah, okay, go ahead. Good, good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, want, I want you to explain why, though, they use God and how they use him. Because you're saying they wouldn't be able to make their case without God. That's you're just right. saying he created all these things that they talk about. Mm -hmm. But how is it that they need him to prove their point? Right, well, explain that a little more clearly. Let's, let's give one example. E for evil. Mm -hmm. Atheists saying, look, there's too much evil in the world. And so therefore, God can't exist. Some atheists make this claim. The problem is, is that you wouldn't even know what evil was unless good existed. And good wouldn't exist in an objective sense unless God existed, because God, by definition, is the very standard of good. So evil doesn't disprove God. It may prove there's a devil out there, but it doesn't disprove God because evil wouldn't exist unless good existed, and good wouldn't exist unless God existed. So it's a backhanded argument for God to say that there's evil in the world, and everybody knows there's evil in the world. If there's evil in the world, this is, this is ironic. If evil exists, God exists. Well, you know, if you say there is any wrong, Mm -hmm. If a, an atheist or any person can ever define something as wrong, inappropriate, not best, mm -hmm. that means there has to be some kind of a standard exactly. by which they measure that. Exactly. Which if there's a standard, why couldn't there be a standard by Father God that actually gives you the best measure and the best standard mm -hmm. by which to determine right and wrong, good and evil? In, in fact, it's been put this way, and I think C.S. Lewis put it this way. He said, the shadows prove the sunshine. In order to have shadows, you have to have sunshine. In other words, in order to have evil, you have to have good. Oh, you can have good without evil. You can have sunshine without shadows, but you can't have shadows without sunshine. You can't have evil without good. So when atheists make the argument that there's too much evil in the world, they're actually showing God exists. Now, when you talk to these atheists, because I know you go to some of the schools and various places, mm -hmm. and you've actually debated some of these highly visible atheists, have you ever really felt like you got ground, you gained any ground with them? Or do they just become more critical, more skeptical, more angry? are more cunning. How, what My goal in a debate is not to win the other person because he or she's entrenched in their side. My goal is to win some of the people in the audience, to encourage the Christians, put a stone in the shoe of the skeptics, and get maybe the atheist to think, well, maybe this is something to think about. I mean, rarely you're going to have an atheist go, you know what, you're right. Why, what am I doing here? No. <laughs> but you may put a stone in their shoe, and that's really my goal. And don't do you that. think sometimes you actually just increase the faith and understanding of those who do know God mm -hmm. and believe in Him, mm -hmm. and it, it perhaps gives them a little bit more confidence to say, make their point or their case, oh, or gives absolutely. them a little bit more comfort in it or more security? We get emails and phone calls all the time that people are saying, hey, this book really helped me because I was adrift. I had a, a previous book that I co-wrote called I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist, so that book has been out quite a while. This book, Stealing from God, is quite new, but it's really going after what the atheists are trying to say show that God exists. Let me give you one other example, the R in crimes is reason. You know, atheists claim to be the reasonable ones. We're the reasonable ones. We're following reason. The problem is, if their worldview is true, if we're just molecules in motion, then everything we think is the result of a previous natural cause over which we have no control. So why should we believe anything the atheists say? Because we're just nothing but moist robots, according to them. Mm -hmm. So they've actually defeated the opportunity to make reasonable arguments by their worldview of materialism. So ironically, it's the Christians who are the reasonable ones. It's the atheists who make reason impossible by their worldview. So whenever they say they're reasonable, they're stealing reason from God to say that he doesn't exist. They have to sit in God's lap to slap his face.
How do they handle Jesus? When you they run them? from Jesus. And uh, I know a lot of them, I don't know, you've probably had this situation before. Uh, I had it recently at the University of Maryland. I was at the University of Maryland, and after uh, I was talking about the evidence for the New Testament, this one kid was really down on the New Testament, but I realized he didn't seem to know much about it. So when I asked him, you know, he's an atheist, I said, have you ever read the New Testament? The kid was flummoxed. He had never read it. I said to him, I don't care where you're from, I don't care where you grew up, what your religious viewpoint was, the human being called Jesus of Nazareth was undoubtedly the most influential human being in the history of the world. If you're going to call yourself somebody who's pursuing truth, you have to at least read what he allegedly said. Mm -hmm. right? I mean, you may say it's bunk, you may say it's not true, but you can't call yourself somebody who's intellectually in interested and say, I've never read it. Well. And this is really the problem. I don't know, James, and, and Betty, you've probably seen this. You talk to people about these kind of things and they're not interested. So the question I'm asking people now, and maybe the folks out here in the audience and out there in the TV land can use this question. This question cuts right to the chase with people, and the question is this. If Christianity were true, would you become a Christian? Just ask the question, because if the person doesn't immediately say yes, if they hesitate or they say no, the problem isn't here, the problem's here. They don't want it to be true. They don't want there to be a God. Why? Because they want to be God. Yeah. I go to a lot of college campuses, and I ask that question to atheists during the Q&A because they get a little aggressive during the Q&A. I say, hey, if Christianity were true, would you become a Christian? I've had atheists yell back at me, and they say, no. Mm -hmm. No. Wait. Mm -hmm. You claim to be an atheist, a beacon of reason. Never mind if atheism is true, reason doesn't exist because, again, we're just molecules in motion, but let's leave that aside. <laughs> I ask you if it were true, would you believe it and you say no? How's that reasonable? Mm -hmm. It's not. Mm -hmm. The problem is not intellectual with many people. It's moral. They don't want it to be true. They want to be God. They want to go their own way. So the elephant in the room quite frequently isn't the evidence. It's morality and accountability. You know what I believe, and I preach this many crusades, that an atheist, a person who says, I don't believe in God, don't believe there is a God, I refuse to believe it, is an individual who has set their mind at war against their heart. Because in your heart, you know this didn't just happen. Mm -hmm. I mean, there is intelligent design. Every time I see a roadway or even see the dirt being moved to create one, I see the earth moving equipment. That didn't just happen. Those people operating the equipment, mm -hmm. the people that designed mm -hmm. it, they were created in the image of God. Mm -hmm. We don't have a problem on the universe are in this nation that can't be met effectively by people created in the image of God if they would seek God's advice and God's wisdom and recognize He created us to use what He created for His glory and for His kingdom purpose and the benefit of all. Does that make sense to you all? Does that sound like a pretty good little assessment of what's going on? Thank you. I thought it was very, very good myself. When you are doing in these debates, mm -hmm. most of the time you have an audience, is that right? Yes, yes. Have you unless when I have a debate at home, oh. and, and, and that's when my wife always wins. Okay. But. Normally, do you, I mean often do you hear from people that were sitting out there that you that God touched their heart that oh, might sure. have been sure. So that would be worth it all. Oh, absolutely, one person. You know, and, and the interesting thing is these these debates are put on YouTube. For example, I've had uh, two debates with the late Christopher Hitchens. And those debates have been seen by several hundred thousand people over and over again. I mean, they're on there perpetually. 
So yes, the debates live, the videos live on, and when we go to a college campus, quite frequently we videotape the Q&A mm -hmm. that I have with the atheists, and so we put those kinds of Q&As on YouTube as well. And we so you'll hear response from people that sure. their lives. Yeah, we've got Ravi Zacharias on the stream, stream.org, and you can see Ravi why he's not an atheist, because he was an atheist. And he's speaking at one of the major uh, Ivy League universities, and time. it's always packed, and he is just an incredible communicator of truth and captivating. Uh, you know, a lot of people People say, uh, you know, if I'm, if, you know, I'm not a Christian, uh -huh. is God going to send me to hell? Yeah, I get I that. I get that all the time. Because uh, I'm a nice person. Peop, well, people will say this, James. In fact, I had this in a debate at the University of Michigan. The other guy asked me. He said, "My mother was a survivor of the Holocaust, and she lived a life full of suffering. Toward the end of her life, someone offered her the gospel, but she rejected it, and then she died. Is she in hell right now?" And I said to him, "That's a great question in front of a secular audience." I said, Eddie, I don't know where your mother is now. I don't know if she had a deathbed conversion or not, but if she didn't, then God is too loving to force her into heaven against her will. Because quite frequently, the assumption behind the question is that people always want to go to heaven. No, they don't. Who's in heaven? Christ is in heaven. They've been running away from Jesus their entire lives. When they die, God is going to force them into heaven with him for all eternity. And I used an, an illustration with the audience that night. Maybe I could use it with the audience here. Can you guys get the audience on TV? I don't know. Well, they are, they're yeah. here. Yeah, okay, they're right, right here. The, I asked the University of Michigan audience, uh, the ladies, I said, ladies, have you ever been pursued by a man whom you did not want to date? Ladies, has that ever happened to you? Some of you are going, yeah, and he's sitting next to me right now. He will not leave me alone. Actually, one lady right there in, in Michigan, a thousand people there, she yells out, yes! I said, is he sitting next to you right now? Anyway, um, I said, well, suppose this guy pursues you, he pursues you, he keeps asking you out, you get to the point where you say you're tired of the advances, you say, look, I like you, but only as a... Friend. Ladies, why don't you stick the knife in and turn it? Every man has heard the dreaded friend rejection, right? But suppose this doesn't deter him. Suppose he continues to pursue, he continues to pursue, and he finally says, look, I love you so much, I'm going to force you to love me. Can he do that? No. No, run screaming from the building, if that ever happens. Because love, by definition, must be freely given. Mm -hmm. So if he truly did love you, ladies, what would he do? He would leave you alone. That's exactly what God does for us. He sends us cards, letters, and flowers. He sends us creation. He sends us conscience. He sends us Christ. He sends us the Bible. In today's day and age, he may send us a dream or vision, particularly if you're a Muslim in an area that doesn't get the gospel. Mm -hmm. He will do what he can he'll to get you He'll send you life today television. Or he'll yeah, send you the stream. Or the stream. The stream. Exactly. Org, right? Sure. He'll do that. But if you continually say, no, 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 God gives you up to your own desires. He lets you go your own way. And this is what Paul says in Romans 1 that we suppress the truth so much that God ultimately gives us up to our own desires. Now look, if there is a God, and there is, if there is an afterlife, and there is, there's only two possible destinations. You're either going to be with God in the afterlife, or you're not. Heaven is with God, hell is without God. You say, well, the Bible uses a lot of different descriptions of hell. It does. But the description or the definition of hell is separation from God. Yeah. You are separated from God. You say, well, and, how the and the life that he offers. Yes. Even on this earth, when you're separated from God, not necessarily religion. I mean, we, we'll go high-five every atheist that says, I've seen a religion that's ugly and dangerous and damning and deadly. 
historically and presently, no question about it, because religion is man's attempt to get to God without God's grace coming to us through Christ, the gift of life and salvation, which transforms the heart and the mind into a love for God and a love for your neighbor that is legitimate. And it is a worship of God, not what we do. It's not idolatry. And there's a joy unspeakable that's full of glory. And there's a peace. And too many people who profess Christ mm -hmm. or religion have never known God That's the right. Father. And I think a lot mm -hmm. of people have turned God away because mm -hmm. they've seen people who claim to believe in God. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the biggest problems. But that listen, is. no matter what you've seen, he's real. And he revealed himself in his son, Jesus. And he wants this Jesus to be your Lord, your Savior, your friend, and he your father. And then to share his love. And if you receive him, he receives you gladly. Would you invite him in? Then would you share him? From the time I met him, it's just like the New Testament Christian. I can't help but speak the things I've seen and heard. I've seen something. I've heard someone. I have to share it. He lives in me. And like a river, it comes out naturally, even supernaturally. That's what Jesus does. Do you appreciate Frank Turek? Do you appreciate what he's doing? The book, Stealing from God is in the bookstores. You can get it online. Or if you would like to have it, be glad to send it to you. We're actually sending another tremendous book that was written by one of my friends, Philip Yancey, Fearfully and Wonderfully Made, and Dr. Paul Brandt. It talks about our body made by God miraculously. Every atheist ought to see the uniqueness and the beauty the indescribable phenomenon of the human body and how it functions. I don't know how you can read this and not see the Creator. It's phenomenal. We're sending this to those of you, and we'll send you Frank's book also. If you will simply do one thing, you will become an answer to someone's prayer. You will become a miracle someone needs. Do you believe in miracles? Would you believe you could be one? I'm not exaggerating. You can be a miracle. I want you to watch and see if you wouldn't like to be. Listen to one of our missionaries. I think you'll hear the heart of God, and you can extend God's hands. I pray you will. Watch. In Africa, the desperation we often encounter is driven by drought or famine. Here in South Sudan, its people have endured a gut-wrenching series of tragedies. The latest, a far-reaching tribal conflict that is responsible for hundreds of thousands of deaths and the displacement of 1.5 million people in search of safety and food. But now, many have returned to rebuild. These are returnees who have returned back to their home area. They get one month of food from WFP through the UN, and then they're on their own. The problem is they came here with nothing. They didn't have cattle, they didn't have goods, they didn't have money. They lost all that in the war. They found out we were coming, and I mean, they have just flocked here. These are the survivors. But for how long? These mothers well know when you're completely empty-handed, a matter of weeks can take a child from this to this. They've seen it before, and it shows in their eyes. 
I mean, there are already huge amount of kids here who are very malnourished. What are they going to do? If we don't help them, they are in serious, serious trouble. Please, let's get together and let's help these people. Just make it through this time. They really deserve your help. All of Africa has been hit by various natural disasters and phenomena. The greatest disaster is the way they've been plundered by leaders that are terrible thugs, dictators, and also by people coming in to exploit their resources and not invest in the greatest resource, the people. These people in Sudan, these you're seeing, nearly all of them are Christians with their children. They have been pushed out of their villages by war, warring against the new nation of southern Sudan. <clears throat> Betty, you and I went there with Franklin Graham years ago. Franklin said, I want you to go with me because I want you to see people that love Jesus the way the people loved in the New Testament. And we saw it. And yet we saw them killed and maimed. The, the women had had their breasts cut off so they couldn't feed their babies. Men had had their hands cut off or fingers so they couldn't work effectively. It was hatred and hostility. It was unbelievable. But now a new nation's been formed, and yet within, the rebels are coming in to attack this new people who are trying to find stability. There are 25,000 right now that our missionaries have located, and it's very dangerous for them to be there, but they're there. So they're asking us to give them the food and the resources to care for the children. In addition to 400,000 that we have found throughout Africa that are just facing difficult times, and they need the next six months to a year to get back on their feet. So we have 425,000 to feed. Betty, when you see that, what happens in your heart? I look at them, and, and just as the missionary said, they're survivors. They've been through everything, war. They've had family members taken away from them, their homes destroyed. And now they come back home, and there's nothing there. They have no way to care for their children, James. They have no food to give them. And what, what, what can they do? They have nothing, no, no starting point on which to go. We can be that group of people that reach out to them and help them. And let's do it right now. They, they so desperately need our help. Well, that's the very reason that Peter Pretorius, our, our lead missionary for the whole continent of Africa, was saying, look at them coming. They had just heard word that somebody cared. And then they've been overwhelmed. And that's why the missionary, Peter Pretorius came here this week, and he and his wife Ann met with us to tell us what's happening. And they told us about the miracles of taking people from dying where these people are now growing crops to feed thousands of people and they make a living because they got on their feet and love showed them the way. Would you be a part of the miracle that it continued? Would you be a part of saving those children's lives? Let me tell you a miracle that's happened in answer to prayer. We've got a $400,000 challenge gift right now that whatever you give and whatever you make a check for, or you make a gift for today, will be doubled. We can feed three children for several months for $30. Five children for 50, we can feed 10 for 100. Now that'll be doubled. $100, we'll feed 20. 50, we'll feed 10. 30, we'll feed six. So whatever you do, if you'll go online, lifetoday.org, please do it. Get up and move to your laptop or your computer, or go to the telephone and dial the number there on the screen and take your bank card and use it like a life card, a check, and make the largest gift you can. We have some gifts to send you to say thank you, to bless you in your spiritual journey. But you're going to be the miracle that those mothers, those families, those people need, those missionaries are asking God for. Would you do it? Would you go right now, lifetoday.org, 
Would you dial that number knowing that what you do in these last days now, this mission feeding emphasis, you're going to make the gift that gives life and it will be doubled. It'll be matched. Please do it. And thank you so much for your response. Disease, malnutrition, starvation, all terrible human atrocities being faced every day by people living in remote and impoverished areas of Africa. And those at greatest risk are the children. This month, 400,000 children are depending on us for survival. And now in South Sudan, the suffering has intensified and our feeding efforts are desperately needed by an additional 25,000 children. As an answer to prayer, a group of life's friends have set a $400,000 matching gift challenge for mission feeding. This means your gift today can have a double impact. $30 to help feed three children will be doubled to impact six children. $50 to help feed five children will be doubled to help save 10 children. $100 for 10 children will be doubled to help feed 20 children. And $300 for 30 children will be doubled to help feed and minister to 60 children. With your gift, we'll send you Heirs to the Kingdom, four powerful messages on audio CD or USB flash drive. You'll also receive the award-winning book, Fearfully and Wonderfully Made. With your double impact gift of $100 or more to help feed 20 children, please request The Story, a running narrative Bible to help you engage with God's Word more easily. Finally, please consider a double impact gift of $1,000 and request this beautifully framed canvas print of the Forest Chapel by the painter of light, Thomas Kincaid. Please call, write, or make your gift online today. We're here in South Sudan, and I really can't believe what I'm seeing today. I've been, in, I've been doing missions work personally for over 25 years, and this is one of the worst situations I've ever seen where these people had literally everything destroyed. And they're trying to live out here under a tree. They don't have food. But here's the good news. We have people who care, who can transport. We have a way to bring food and what these children need immediately. So please go to your phones right now. Go online, whatever's easiest, and make that gift today because you will be bringing a blessing, providing food to those who desperately need it. You know, with all my heart, Betty and I are asking God to take the words that have been shared and the opportunity and so stir your heart. If you were to get a busy and you didn't get through, you'd be determined, I'm going to get through, I'm going to help. And let us send you this incredible book. Let us send you heirs to the kingdom. Boy, I'm telling you, when you realize why you're here, you'll be blessed. If you'd like to have Frank Turek's book, that'll be such a blessing and maybe help you be a witness to someone that seems unreachable. We want to send that to you. But Betty and I say thank you so much. And remember, visit everydayprayerfullystream.org and pass on to others the inspiration and insights you get. Join, uh, if you will, Betty and me in saying thanks to Frank Turek. Frank, I appreciate you a lot. Thanks for being thanks here. For what you're doing. God bless you. Thank you. Thank Keep you. the witness going. All right. Thank all of you. Thank you so much for being someone's miracle. Thanks for watching. Thanks for sharing.
be sure to visit stream.org, a rich and lively source for breaking news, analysis, and entertainment. Stream.org. Stay connected with Life Today through your favorite social media sites or visit lifetoday.org, where life is always on. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.